Thanks, Dylan. And it's my baritone voice. Uh, good morning. I want to add my uh, welcome to everyone here this morning and uh, my welcome to Hardison Susan for, uh, for joining us. I want to add that. And yes, we're a smaller church, so there's no hiding. We will uh, see you engaged in life and ministry here in the church. Uh, last week, we had uh, the privilege of Jesse uh, preaching to us, and he preached from, from the Psalms, and uh, I'm going to do the same today. I'm going to be preaching from Psalm 62. You might want to look it up in your Bibles, or you can uh, follow it along on the screen. Just as a, a brief introduction to this psalm, it's become one of my, well, it's on my favorite psalm list. And uh, one of the reasons is the, the occasion where I first connected and engaged with this psalm which was when uh, Anita was in hospital uh, getting checked out. Asha was, was uh, about to be born, but it was still seven weeks away. And I'm standing there in this hospital room and they race Anita out for an emergency caesarean and I'm left there by myself, no one else there, and uh, except myself and a Gideon's Bible. And so I flicked open the Gideon's Bible and uh, came to Psalm 62 and found rest and peace as I read that psalm. And so I trust that we'll uh, see that as we work through this psalm this morning. So Psalm 62, it's going to read it for us. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would, you, would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. So far our reading. Are there some uh, cute animals in Australia? And uh, some of these animals are facing extinction. They're on the critically endangered list. Uh, here's a really cute one, the... Uh, the mountain pygmy possum in Victoria. Uh, there are some, some other cute ones and some not so cute ones. There's the uh, northern hairy-nosed wombat from Queensland. There's the uh, lead-beater possum, the top, uh, what is it for you, top right-hand hand corner. It was thought to be extinct in the 1950s. They found them again uh, in, around Marysville in Victoria, but the Black Saturday fires just about wiped them out again. Uh, there's the orange belly, belly parrot, uh, there was a wind farm in Victoria that was stopped because of this bird and the risk this bird might have in flying into the, uh, 
to the uh, wings or the sails of a, a, a turbine. And then there's one I think I wouldn't mind if, if I saw the end of that, the short-nosed sea snake, a very poisonous snake. I think it can stay on the endangered list if you ask me. But if you read some analysis of the 2021 census, Australian census, you might come to believe that Christians are becoming endangered species, ready to be wiped out, to, uh, to be destroyed, to be forgotten, to be put on, on that list of, well, we don't care if they're there or not. Uh, here are some the statistics from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. In 1971, 86.2% of Australians identified as Christian and 6.7% of people said they had no religion. By 2021, it's gone down to 43.6% identifying as Christians and 38.9% as non-Christian. The, these two lines are about to converge. But do you ever feel that? Do you ever feel uh, that you're in, on the endangered species list, not just as a, a Christian in Australia, but what about in your, your own personal faith, in your own journey with God? Is your faith endangered? Do you sometimes uh, feel discouraged and threatened and uh, at a loss in how to, how to deal with things? Well, David, King David, felt like this uh, a number of times through his life. He lived uh, a dangerous life, a, a stress-filled life in many ways. He had this stormy relationship with Saul, with King Saul. Uh, as a king, he faced war. Uh, he fought with, uh, his own sons fought with one another and they, they fought with him. And it was just this ongoing uh, buffeting in his life. He's surrounded by enemies. He, he writes about in other Psalms as, as, as well, enemies that were treating him as if he's just this uh, unstable wall that's going to be pushed over. Yet, yet in spite of that, that sense that he have of around him, in spite of the hostility, in this psalm, David's not worrying about that. Not worried at all. But rather he's trusting in God. Through all of that that's going on around him, buffeting his life, through it all, David is able to find rest. And that's probably the most important thing to take away from this psalm. It's a psalm about rest. It's a, not just physical rest, but as uh, David expresses there, rest for the soul. Rest for the soul. David's life is endangered in different ways, but despite the danger, his trust in God stays strong. And you, that's going to be drawn out as we work our way through the psalm. There's this um, absolute, undisturbed peace, trust and confidence in God. And so when we feel threatened or when we feel uh, in danger, when we feel anxious or stressed or concerned, as I was in that hospital room, I encourage you to turn to this psalm. Turn to this psalm. It's a psalm that, that speaks to us. It speaks into a condition that is, is common. It's common in many ways to all people of all ages through all cultures right through history. It speaks of the fact that a person can't find true rest, can't find true peace apart from God. And I think every age throughout history can attest to that. 
It's seen in this endless striving to find peace and to find satisfaction uh, in every imaginable way, except through God. And we, we live in such a restless age, a restless age where people are, are looking for, for security, for hope, for, for peace and, and, and rest everywhere except in God. They're looking for it in all the wrong places. And uh, there are some indicators of the restlessness of life. It, it's one of them is our, uh, our busy schedules. It's true, isn't it? We, we always seem to be on the go. There's always another thing to do. There's always uh, stuff that we just seem to never get around to because uh, we've got no time to stop, no time to reflect. We just go, go, go. Unless you're have the courage to take your family on a road trip for six months. It's a time, isn't it, to stop and to reflect. But we live such busy schedules. Uh, and in that busy schedule, we lack silence. Every, every moment has to be filled with noise and activity. We're always looking for something to distract us. Uh, last year, at the end of last year, there was this trend on TikTok. I don't know if you picked it up because it was also reported on mainstream media, this concept of silent walking. Silent walking. Uh, here's here's uh, how it was reported uh, on an ABC post. Uh, Maddie, Maddie Mayo posted on TikTok, it says there about her journey discovering the benefits of a silent walk. She says, my boyfriend challenged me to walk without distractions, no AirPods, no podcast, no music, just me, myself and I. And some commentators were positive, while others couldn't believe the concept of walking without headphones was so revolutionary to some people. Ms. Mayo explained that the first two minutes of her work was mayhem. But she says, once I got into the groove of things without headphones, something happened. My brain gets into this flow state and everything is quiet. She explained that walking without audio distractions allowed her to hear her thoughts. Hear her thoughts. She said... If you're never alone with your thoughts and you never get quiet, you're going to miss the whispers. Suddenly all those thoughts were flowing into my mind because I was giving them space in my silent walk. The report finishes. While it may seem obvious that walking without distractions makes you more present, the fact that it's a revelation for many TikTok users reflects how normal it has been for us to distract ourselves from our own thoughts. And I thought... How true, how true. So along with the business of schedules, with noise distractions, we're constantly bombarded, aren't we, with ads urging us to buy more and more, never satisfied until we, uh, we have, this, have it filled with an artificial need. And then there's other reasons for restlessness, uh, the, the world events that seem to dominate our, our news flow fears and, and anxieties that, uh, that just flood our life. But the main reason, the main reason for the restlessness of our age is the same as it is in every age, abandoning God. Looking away from God, looking everywhere except for God, but not David. We can learn that from this psalm. In this psalm, David wants it to bring our thoughts, our minds, our attention back to the true and living God who alone brings rest and peace for the souls. 
And that truth is expressed in those opening verses, verses 1 and 2 of the psalm. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. It starts with the word truly and has the, uh, the idea of this is definitive. This is a truth that I know. This is a truth that I hold securely to. And interestingly, in the, uh, in the uh, 84 NIV, it put the word only. Only. It leads us to grab hold of that most important thing of the psalm, that God is David's only secure, uh, only object of security and trust. He's not trusting something other than God, nor is he trusting God and someone else or God and something else. He's saying that his trust is in God alone and that gives him rest, that gives him confidence. And it's likely that we, we need to hear that today, to be reminded of that today, because our problem is that we don't trust God. We trust God in some sense. We trust God because that's how we've become believers. We've trusted in the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. We trust Jesus for our salvation. Rather, it's we, we don't, in a sense, trust God alone. We want to sort of add something or someone else. We depend on God and, and money or power or friendship or psychology. We, we say we trust God, but we also put a lot of trust in the tools and mechanisms of the world alongside our trust in Jesus. And David says, God has allowed me to find rest and peace in him. So trust him. So rest and peace that, that we need too. And we know that rest is important, isn't it? Uh, if, if you need rest, you, you'll often sleep. If you miss sleep, you know that you struggle through the next day. And I think spiritually it's the same thing. We, we need our rest, whether we're old or young. Otherwise, we will struggle in the journey of life. And, and, and an enemy of that, an enemy of that, of that rest, of that relationship with God is uh, our lack of stopping, our lack of resting before God. And in that sense, we at times can uh, end up in a state of, um, I don't know, semi-permanent semi spiritual rest deprivation. And I think we can relate to that. There are, uh, there are times can attest to that we're sort of only um, half aware of our relationship with God as we walk through life. But God wants us to know spiritual rest in him. David draws our attention to the rest in the psalm, to those things that, that keep us firm in our walk with God. The rest that David talks about is literally silence before God, which is that whole concept, isn't it, of, of silent walking. David lived a stress-filled life. He felt like an endangered species, but he comes and he is silent before God. Instead of powering ahead in his own strength, we read time and again how he, he brought his concerns to God. He saw God's will and direction for his life. He trusted that God would lead him in the right way, that God would protect him, that God was with him. I think how often uh, don't we, do we miss, how often do we miss that? That we race around uh, working at overcoming things in our own strength 
I know how often I can do that to my own detriment. But David knew who to turn to, who to trust. And it was God, and he calls us to do the same. He drew his strength and his assurance from God, and so he turns to God for salvation. And rest, as I said, is that attitude of silence. It should be attractive to us to stop, be silent before God, which will then strengthen us in our walk with God. The uh, ESV translation actually says, my soul waits in silence. Where it says, my soul finds rest, it says, my soul waits in silence. In Lamentations, we read, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. There's a time for, for you and, to, and me to, to wait in silence before God. God wants to remove the noise of our life so that we can draw, focus on him, be encouraged by him. But it requires us to take time and to make time. And it can be difficult. But we read in the life of Jesus, in his ministry, how many times he, he steps away from the distractions and the noise of the day so that he could spend time with God his Father. And he encourages his disciples to do the same. We read in Mark's Gospel, then because... So many people were coming and going. They did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Attitude of silence means you can rest in God when the storms of life come. So an encouragement is not to be afraid of slowing down, of sitting in silence and reflecting with God, I think sometimes we put the noise there, as, as Maddie said, so that uh, we don't let thoughts come into us. But the question is, why does David want this? Why does David want to find rest in God? And it's really because his salvation is from God. And that, that idea of salvation in the Old Testament that David's referring to has a lot to do with deliverance, but for him, deliverance from uh, from his earthly enemies. That's his, his main concern. His conviction, though, is that God could and would act to deliver him. Con that conviction that comes from the fact that God has done it in the past, and so God could do it again for him, and God would do it again for him. And uh, he, he sort of brings out this idea that it's not on the grounds of his being good, of his deserving it, but on his special place before God. His special place is chosen by God. And if that's his place, then God would be and is faithful to his people. And the same is true for us. In, in the light of the New Testament, we've experienced salvation. Not as much from earthly enemies and dangers, but from sin and death and Satan. This was done not because we deserve it, but because God, in grace and mercy and love, has chosen to, uh, to love us, to care for us, to, to save us. So like David, we, we can say that our salvation doesn't come from within, our, within ourselves, from our hard work, our religious acts, but from God and God alone. Ephesians 2, it's put this way. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can...
can boast. On God rests my salvation. He's done all the work. He's provided salvation from sins through Jesus. He's provided resurrection uh, from spiritual death to eternal life through his resurrection. He has sent us his Holy Spirit so we can be transformed or regenerated and renewed. None of that could be done by us, ourselves. God has to do the work and so we trust in God for our salvation. And then in verse 2, David gives the grounds or, or the reason that he uh, can rest, the reason that, uh, that he has this salvation, but he can rest in that. And they're the images of the rock and fortress, which point to this secure, utter confidence in God. When David uses the word rock, to describe God, he's not thinking of the small stones that lay on the ground that he might pick up and use in his sling. No, he's talking about, as he says in the psalm, a mighty rock, a mighty rock. God's not a small stone lying on the ground. He's, he's more like Uluru, that immovable sandstone rock in central Australia. That's like God, immovable, completely reliable, a solid foundation for life. And fortress has uh, a similar idea. It could refer to, it refers to a high place and it could be a, a tower that's, uh, that's built in a city or a mountain fortress on a solid rock. When you combine uh, fortifications and the advantage of height on a rock, you have a place of absolute safety. Safety from enemies, uh, from animals, from floods. And David says, that's your God. That's your God, a, a rock and fortress, immovable. And nothing can shake you out of that. That's how David saw God. And in terms, again, for us out of the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 4, we, we see that Jesus is our rock, our foundation. Through Jesus, we can say, God is my rock and my salvation. He is my deliverer from sin and judgment. God has secured my salvation. We have peace, we have rest with God because of Jesus Christ. And David actually summarizes that in, uh, in the, the last uh, couple of verses where he, uh, he highlights that, that God is uh, powerful and that God is unfailing in his love. God is powerful, he's sovereign over all the events of history, including the dangers that threaten David's life. He's loving or merciful even to David in the struggles of life. And if you know anything about God, about the salvation he provides for you in Jesus Christ, then we should rejoice that those two attributes of God come together. Why? Because without them coming together, there's no salvation for you or me. If God has power but is unloving or lacks mercy, he would be able to save humanity but not inclined to do so. If God is, uh, is merciful, is loving but lacks power, he might desire to save us but he's not able to. But here we have God with both, both being all-powerful and all loving. And he brings those two together at the cross. He's reached out to save us. He's done it through Jesus Christ. 
why you and I can rest in God. But in the psalm, David also brings out uh, three things that will not bring rest for our souls, pointing out things that we might trust instead of God. But David says they'll let you down. The first is uh, in verse 3, David writes, How long will, will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? David's pointing out that he's being attacked, he's outnumbered. And he doesn't talk about trusting in himself to fix this. He knows that in himself there is no victory. He's weak. He's a, a leaning wall, a, a tottering fence. Compared to God, the rock, he's like this loosely built stone stacked wall that is just easy to push over. That's how he feels about himself. So he, he says trusting in himself, so us trusting in ourselves, will not bring rest for the soul. You and I may think we can handle everything, but we can't. God is the mighty rock, the fortress, who cannot be moved. He indicates that uh, trusting in other people will not bring rest for our souls. He tells us that many have come and attacked him. In verse 4, he says, Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. His lofty place is his rightful place as king. They want to push him out from that. And so they lie, they act hypocritically towards him, pretending to bless him. Yes, David, we are with you. But in their hearts, they're cursing, scheming against David. Sort of indicating that you can't find true rest for your soul through other people, good though those relationships are. Whether that is a friend, a parent, a child, a teacher, a pastor, eventually, in some way, we'll be let down by someone else. And we will do that to other people because we all have something in common. We're all human, we're all sinful, we're all tottering fences. But God is an immovable rock. Trusting in power or wealth won't bring rest for our souls. Look at verse 10. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Extortion there refers to abuse of power for your own benefit at the expense of other people. And there are more, many warnings in Scripture not to oppress the poor or weak. Stolen goods refers to violent robbery, but really any type of theft where you take from someone else. The, the idea of riches refers to power and wealth. David says, if your riches increase, don't set your heart on them. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Says you can't, Jesus says you can't serve both. And so David says, trusting in these things, good though some of them are, they will not give you rest for your soul. And I'm sure we can, uh, we can agree more broadly with these things, but simply knowing them is not enough because we, we're so prone to forget. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, 
if that is true, how do I apply those truths to my life? And David gives some indicators in the verses there. In verse 1, he, he, he gives the truth, but he expands on that because he knows it's not enough. He says we need to practice it and apply it. In verse 5, he says, my soul finds rest in God. You know, when we're in the same situation as David, we, we may know these things to be true. Generally speaking, if I was to ask you, you would say, yes, this is true. But we need to remind ourselves of this truth. So how do we do it? There are many ways, but uh, David brings a few out in the Psalms. The first is to, to claim or to make these truths your own. Notice David doesn't refer to God as a rock or a fortress, but particularly in verses 6 and 7, uh, my hope, my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my honour, my refuge. If God is your salvation, you can do the same. He is my salvation, my rock, my hope, my honour, my refuge. Speak those truths to yourself. Uh, place your honour in God's hands. In verse 7, David says, my salvation and honour depend on God. David says, I place my reputation as king, but I place my reputation as a follower of God in the hands of God. I leave it there. God is the one who exalts. God is the one who brings down. God will do what is right because God is just. Trust God. Trust God at all times, David goes on and says in verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people, both in the good times and the bad times. Put all your hope in God. Don't give up on that. As you put your hope in God, learn to wait on him, to trust him. And he encourages us to pour our hearts out to the Lord. Verse 8. We need to remind ourselves that there is no problem too big or too small that you can't bring to God. Pour out your innermost thoughts, desires, hurts, sorrows, sins to God. I think sometimes we can uh, talk too much to others about our troubles and too little to God about them. Charles Spurgeon uh, writes, Hide nothing from him, hide nothing from God, for you can hide nothing from him. Hide nothing from him because you actually can't. Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And David calls us to rely on God's word. Verse 11, David says, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. God has spoken. God has spoken through his word. David relied on the word of God. So should we. God has spoken through his word. We know David was often in a tough place. David often felt like an endangered species. Uh, he knew that he was often physically threatened, stressed, concerned, anxious. You know, maybe we, uh, even though we might look at the census statistics, think that Christians are on the endangered list, but not necessarily physically like David. But our lives can be threatened and buffeted spiritually, mentally, emotionally. So we need to turn 
and hold on to Jesus, our rock and our fortress. And as that's the case, these verses are for us. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. If you watch uh, the AFL football games, they often run through a banner which has some saying on it, some phrase on it. I think we can run through a banner that says that every morning. My soul finds rest in God. Run through that banner in the morning. Make it uh, a truth that you read and speak at the end of each day. Make it a declaration. Remind yourself of it daily. Share that truth with others. Because if you trust God for your salvation, your salvation from eternal death through your faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to be reflecting more on that as we celebrate Lord's Supper next week, then you can take refuge in Him from all other trials of life. If you know God as the basis of your salvation from sin, then when turbulence hits life, you sit and submit yourself again into his sovereign hand, finding refuge in him, knowing that he cares for you. Let's pray together. The Lord, our loving Father in heaven, you alone are the one who can give us inward peace. Only you give us that peace that passes all understanding, the peace that comes from you alone. And so God, help us. Help us to wait silently before you to filter out the distractions of life, to focus on you because you alone are our hope. Jesus, you are our rock-solid foundation. You through your life-giving work on the cross to redeem and rescue us, have set us in a good place. You are our foundation and we stand on you. And so you alone, in you alone are we safe. God, help us to, to wait with trust, with patience, with strength, with joy, with hope in you and you alone. May we not be waiting on our circumstances or situations to change. May we not be waiting on other people to do something, but may we wait on you because you are sovereign over it all and so we trust you. Our hope is in you. God, we praise you that you are the one we can trust in our waiting. And so as we go from here, may we trust in you alone at all times, in all situations, as we pour out our hearts to you. And may you give us rest. And we pray this in Jesus' name.